Welcome to Life Beyond the Chariot, a faith and family series from the St. Philip Institute. We believe we are called to not only know, but also to live the truth of the gospel within our homes, in our workplaces, and beyond. We believe we are invited to encounter Christ in the messiness of day-to-day life and to live as his disciples. Welcome, everybody, back to our Life Beyond the Chariot. This is our second episode of season two, Um, and I could not be more excited about today's guest and our discussion. She um, is a regular special guest, so I don't know if that makes you super special. Yes. (laughs) Super unique. Super unique, yes. Um, She's have, like the spiritual mother of the podcast, I feel uh, like. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. When the introduction played, my heart overflowed. Oh. I'm serious. I was like, ooh, you need to pull it together, girl. <laughs> <laughs> because it really was, I'm just, yeah, yeah, grateful. Oh, mm-hmm. Well, we are so excited to have you here. I know um, all of our conversations that we have had with you, um, you just have so much wisdom and joy. And I just feel like the Holy Spirit just like comes forth from your mouth. And I learned something every time we get together. And so um, today we are just going to hear about your vocation story. It's my favorite thing to Uh, talk about. (laughs) And and I just love hearing people's story. And I don't know much of your story at all. I think Deanna may be a little bit more familiar. Maybe. My sister's story. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, so I'm excited. So without any further ado, if you would like to lead us in prayer and then we'll get going. Sure. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Um, Holy Spirit, come now um, and help us, give us the graces to hear you, um, to hear the will of the Father in your presence. Um, Help us to share whatever is God's will. And give us the the grace and the gifts um, to increase our trust that our relationships with the Lord are the greatest treasure that we have to share. Um, Help us to grow in boldness and courage Um, and faith in sharing those stories um, so that the church can grow and so that the love of God can reign and fill the earth. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, sister, we're just going to jump right in. Okay. (laughs) Um, Tell us a little bit about your vocation story or what led you to discernment. Um, we're just going to let the Holy Spirit and you discern what you want to share. Okay, and I'm going to do like the the three to five minute elevator pitch, <laughs> right? Because we're going to keep this on time. Um, so I grew up Baptist in Houston, Texas. I wouldn't change that. Um, I'm so grateful for the lessons that being Baptist taught me and gave mm. to me um, just to, you know, be bold in the faith and to... Um, to have to let the scope of that Jesus wants to have let that be broad so I grew up in one of those churches where people were passing out and falling out I was never the pass out or I was the fanner <laughs> get up girl check nice. it pulses nice. oh that was my role um, I went to the University of Dallas and I did not know it was Catholic when I enrolled um, so it obviously had a huge impression on me nice and the Rome semester had a huge impression on me fell in love with St. Pope John Paul II um, so I eventually came into the church um, it was helpful to be a part of uh, UD's uh, Latin liturgical choir. Um, So that's how I learned the mass in that choir, singing the mass. Um, So this was a tremendous formative gift. And we're always writing that director and thanking her for giving us God, really, Mm. you know, in this Mm. music. 
So I became Catholic and people like to ask, like, how did your family feel about that? And I'm like, you know, my family knows me. So they're kind of like, there are worse things she can do than love the Lord. <laughs> like, so they, they showed up in their Sunday best. Uh, but then the curveball came, like, with religious, <laughs> like, um, so that was a little more bumpy, but ultimately also joyful. Uh, so I had been Catholic for like four years. Um, and was a Sunday, Sunday Catholic. Um, you know, if there was a serious sin on my conscience, I would go to confession and was just like basically like a Sunday confession only when absolutely necessary kind of Catholic. Mm -hmm. And I didn't necessarily see a specific desire to change that. Um, and then I got back, I got a chance to go back to Rome with that choir mm -hmm. and, um, went to confession, you know, at St. Peter's and wow. went to mass at St. Peter's as a Catholic. This was um, pivotal in, in a continuing conversion for me. Um, I remember on that trip, um, in that confession, I was kind of pouring my heart out to the priest of all the things I knew I could be and should be and wasn't being. Mm -hmm. And he, two words, all he said was just begin. Um, and then the next day, I got to go and do all of that again because our... Um, our friend group had decided we were too stuck up and we needed to branch outside of our friend group to people we didn't normally hang out with. So I looked outside my friend group and found the cutest boy outside <laughs> of our friend group. But I was like, I'm going to make friends with him. Um, <laughs> it was a really, really holy and virtuous man. And he asked if we could go back the next day and go to confession again in mass because he hadn't been to St. Peter's in that way. Mm. Um, and that day we prayed all day together and I was just struck by his courage and the faith. Mm. And that just never left me. It stayed with me that he was really cute, but it really <laughs> stayed with me, his courage and the faith, like the way he loved Jesus. And so I wanted to grow that way and I wanted to hold on to things that were changing. So I got a spiritual director. And one day he asked me what my greatest hope was. And I realized I didn't hope for very big things. Like I didn't hope like a Christian, right? Christians, we have outlandish hope mm. because we believe in being raised from the dead, which yeah. is outlandish on man's terms. Yeah. And I didn't hope like that. And so when I started to pray that way, um, I was praying before the Blessed Sacrament, serving at a youth conference, and the thought just came in my mind, it would be so wonderful to serve the church as a sister, to just do this. Um, and I was shocked by the thought, very afraid. I definitely don't fit the mold for nuns. Um, so what were you was, doing at the time? Um, I was a vice president at the bank, at, bank, at a bank, um, operations manager and a project manager. So I had a really big career mm -hmm. um, and that helped me feel important, right? That helped me to feel important and so, um, it was a long process. I was scared because I just didn't see sisters that felt like a place where I could belong. A lot of them look like Stepford nuns to me. <laughs> and there ain't none Stepford about me. <laughs> so I just I struggled. But then I found Sisters of the Holy Family of Nazareth. And I spent two years discerning. And it was beautiful because every sister was so unique and also one in family and like one in the gospel and that just I was sold out <laughs> uh, and so I entered in 2011 made my first vows in 2015 and then just made my final vows so that's it or I guess that's like the very short <coughs> I know I'm trying to practice a lot of self-control and not ask you like all these little details because I know we have some more things that we want to get to right. 
Um, but just for perspective, how old were you when you felt that call? And then how many years is it from when you heard that call to when you started discerning, like when you found the sisters? Sure. So I was 28 when I was sitting before the Blessed Sacrament and that became really aware that I need to discern this. I was 30 when I entered as a candidate. Okay. So I spent two years visiting, um, which is about like the high end of the average, um, about two years visiting. And then as a candidate, it's continued discernment. So there was candidacy Mm -hmm. for about a year, postulancy for nine months, novitiate for two years, and then five years of being like a junior sister before your final vows. Wow. Yeah. So it's been a long road. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But you celebrated basically your wedding day to Jesus. Yes. Uh, Your final vows. So tell us what the day was. I mean, the day was a two and a half hour long mass, which I didn't know it was two and a half hours. It was the longest mass I've ever been to, but it was so beautiful. Like, we crushed the vigil. It was amazing. Yeah, but, I mean, it was a daze to me when people told me it was two and a half hours. I didn't even have on a watch, so I didn't know. So I was, mm-hmm. I mean, so it was um, a tremendously beautiful mass that is the mass, but then incorporates all of these elements for the consecration and just beautiful prayers, um, beautiful rituals. And then after that, we, you know, we couldn't have the type of reception we would normally have. Everything was much smaller, <coughs> but still incredibly beautiful. Um, and then we passed out. So just a beautiful day. I was given this ring. Uh, final vows is, you know, that's kind of the, the key symbol is the ring and took a mystery that day as well to add to my name. So, Can you tell us a little bit more about that ring and the mystery? Sure. The ring says, Delectus meus mihi et ego ili, which means I am my beloved's and he is mm. mine. Mm. Um, is that and, Song of Songs? Yes. Nice. I am my beloved's nice. and he is mine. Um, a friend of mine sent me an, a, a portion of his dissertation um, where he reflected on this because mm. he was one of the celebrants at my, at my vows, the con celebrants. And so after he wrote me and said he was just really touched by the ring and that he had reflected on it in his dissertation, and he sent that section of his dissertation to me, and he, it basically said, throughout the whole life, we're saying it over and over. Mm. So I wake up in the morning, I am my, I am my beloved's. He gives me grace. He is mine. Mm. You know, I step through the door of the ministry, I am my beloved. So it's just this ongoing, like, saying it over and over in all things. So like an ongoing exchange. Um in perpetuity (laughs) just around and around and then the mystery is um you get to pick it and there's probably you know every sister's is different and the cover of the program at final vows was actually all of the mysteries of the sisters who live in texas Wow! Uh, so it was all their mysteries going around the edge of the image of our mother foundress so our mother foundress's mystery was jesus the good shepherd And so when you think about what mystery God wants you to have, it's to look at like, um, how has God consistently like shown himself to me? Like what has been the way that I've been able to go to him, to know him, to grow closer, like the common thread. Mm -hmm. When you read Mother Founders' story, Mother Frances of the, you know, the patron of our hospital, when you read her story, you see all throughout it that God shepherded her faithfully because mm. she was in some really dangerous situations <laughs> spiritually, but he always pulled her through. 
Um, so that's a perfect mystery for her. My mystery is the espoused mother of our Eucharistic King. Mm. So, wow. mm-hmm. mm. so it's Mary. Yeah. <laughs> Mary. Yeah, and the Eucharist. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. powerful. How, I mean, just because I'm intrigued by this, I feel like it would take me forever to try to, if I had to decide on like a mystery, like lots of reflection and mm-hmm. thinking about how God has spoken. What was that process like for you? Like, did it come to you or was it, yeah, I'm just curious how. Yeah, it was random. I was like, I think I was just kind of laying in bed, getting ready to go sleep. But <laughs> thinking like, I know, I, I know it's Mary, you know, and Mary's the, undertone of the mystery in a way and I know for sure it's Jesus in the monstrance right mm-hmm. like so the loud part of the mystery mm-hmm. the obvious one is Jesus in the monstrance but like I couldn't let go of Mary but like with Mary it was even more mysterious like something I had to really stay present to and even on my 30-day retreat and in a moment of prayer I actually was in dialogue with Mary in prayer and she said I know you know why Jesus but do you know why me Wow. You know, and it was like, it's not as clear, but I know I can't leave you. That I know, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just not as clear. And then one night I just, and Mary is most significant to me in her role as spouse of the spirit, mm. because I think that's how she's mother right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so um, St. Augustine has this wonderful quote where he says that she's still laboring with us. Mm. until we are born into heaven, right? Mm. Conformed into the likeness of her son. And so her womb is still very full Mm. and she's still working. And so Mm. when I hear that, I'm like, and when I think about how many people say no to that, like, I don't want to be born, you know, (laughs) to heaven. I just want to be a midwife. I'm like, can I get a towel for your forehead? Girl, (laughs) what do you need? Like, what do you need? (laughs) I want to help her. Um, And so I was just laying there and it just came. The Mm. spouse mother of the Eucharistic Mm. King. And it felt too long. It felt too long. So I started asking people, it's too wordy, right? And everyone I asked, it was like, it seems perfect, sister. And then I finally got the courage to tell my provincial superior because she has to approve it. And so I was on my 30-day retreat on an off day, and it was the day she called to tell me that I was officially approved for final vows. And so uh, we were sitting talking. I was hiking, and I took, like, sat down and was talking to her, and she told me, and then she said, so you have a mystery yet? I was like, okay, Lord, here it goes. (laughs) So I told her, and she said, Josephine, that's perfect. And it just, so, yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's gorgeous. I was, besides it being a very long mass, it was a gorgeous mass. <laughs> and we were there with our family. <clears throat> and the thing that really struck me, and I held on to the um, to the program, um, and I had every intention of, like, bringing it with me so we could, like, walk through it together. But, of course, like, <laughs> children, and I'm not as organized as I want. But what, I guess the thing that really came to mind for me throughout the whole mass was, like, the sense of the communion of saints. So like, and in the sense of like the communion of saints here on earth and um, like the people who were part of your story before you even entered religious life, like there were folks there that knew you then. Mm -hmm. And then there were all these people that were walking with you or were part of your life now. But it was just this sense of like a whole like a wholeness of, of community. And I was just so struck by that. And then we had this amazing litany of saints as part of that too. And I was like, Oh, like this is like, this is what we're supposed to do. Like, mm. this is what, this is what the communion of saints is. And just to see 
how many people were there. And I know not everyone there was even represented by every stage of your life, but to just see like so many people had walked with you or seen you in different stages of life. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I just thought it was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And in the mass, like, so all throughout the preparation, we, <laughs> I was telling people it felt like the final level of Jumanji because there were just <laughs> so many obstacles with COVID. And we actually had to change locations three weeks before vows. And so it brings about a lot, a lot of good discernment when things are getting stripped away about like what matters and so in the conversations with you know the sisters who were with me in the planning and my leaders it was this focus that it's the mass that needs to remain public Mm -hmm. and it's the mass that matters Mm -hmm. that we make it possible for people to be at that mass yes and so this is seen in the communion and another communion of saints and the importance of praying for one another and with one another, you know, and that that body of Christ. And so it took me some time to arrive at this because at first I, you know, was sad that we couldn't be together in the way that I had imagined, right? And all the things that were stripped down. And I didn't realize it until I watched the video back of vows Mm -hmm. because one of my favorite things to do is watch people go for communion. And that day I couldn't because I was crying like oh. audibly crying <laughs> during communion so I was just trying not to make a pure fool of myself <laughs> and sob loudly okay uh, because it was, so I couldn't even look up because um, I was just in that prayer and so when I watched back and saw everyone going forward for communion for blessings I realized that like we were together in the most significant way which is the Eucharist mm-hmm. which is in the Eucharist and in the Mass and even people who don't always get it, right. that day they got it. People were texting me and saying, I don't even know what happened to me during the during the, the litany of the saints. Mm. And one woman said to me, she is Protestant. She said, I know God is always present. She said, but Sister Josephine, God was really there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, in the yes, Eucharist, <laughs> the real presence, right? Yeah, come on, girl. <laughs> get, you could have that all <laughs> the time. <laughs> Every day. day. Um, So, yeah, I think that idea of communion and community um, was the greatest gift of the Mm. day. And, like, Mm. what was necessary. All the other things are, you know, frilly, lovely. Yeah. And you had some really nice, frilly, extra, like, (laughs) all these Vietnamese fingers. (laughs) Yes. I mean, yeah, it was an outpouring from that parish, uh, St. Joseph Vietnamese Parish Mm -hmm. in Grand Prairie, Texas poured out their hearts um, in everything they made. There was a photo booth, the rosary pouches in the gift bag. I've got mine. A couple of sisters in the postulants handmade all those, okay? 200 of them. They just... (laughs) So, and that, it was all just like the father saying, I've got you with great mindfulness. Mm. Like I am incredibly aware and I've got this um, and I am provident um, even the church yeah. uh, the stained glass window is a monstrance from floor to ceiling um, stunning and stunning. there was one time on third day retreat where I was praying um, with the scripture from the wedding of Cana and in that prayer I imagined I was making my vows at that wedding and I was before a monstrance 
So I think three weeks before, it wasn't our plan to be there. Wow. But in God's providence, I made my vows before a monstrance. And so, God is good. yeah, there's just a lot good. of really wonderful graces. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Um, I, uh, we could not go because the location was switched. And I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and um, but my heart has been with you. Um, and I think that, and I go back to my wedding day and realizing that just like, how profound the ceremony was, mm. right? And I'm sure that every um, sister or every priest, when he's ordained, um, religious brother, um, have this sort of profound encounter um, in a way that is deep, in a way that God is still, and that's the thing, is that even after we say yes on a, on a vocational level, right, to God, um, he's like, like, for so long, I thought that was going to be sort of the end of, like, major discernment. Do you know mm. what I mean? And the fact that God's like, no, I st- I'm still moving in and through you. Um, and that he reveals himself in so many powerful ways. Um, and to just have that day mm-hmm. embedded in self in your heart, I just think is beautiful. And to keep, like letting it grow like letting the mm-hmm. like discovering more of the graces mainly of the vows of that day right yeah. so you come away with this these vows this commitment and um it just grows and it just like you know keeps mm. uh, becoming more profound mm-hmm. um and being a way to like know God, let God reveal himself to me, and then respond and work for him. But yeah. it just like it's an ongoing growth. Like yeah. Yeah. it's grace. So yeah. Oh, yeah. God's good. And mm-hmm. I one of the great gifts I think for our diocese is that you're present at the school. Well, um so St. Gregory St. Gregory Cathedral <laughs> School. So my daughter goes there and hopefully more of the little Johnstons will be there next year. Um but your presence there is so beautiful and so impactful. And I know one question that for us as moms that have daughters, like how do we encourage our daughters or for anyone to just be open to the possibility of a vocation? Mm-hmm. I think on the practical level, like beginning at the practical level, I know it's harder to see sisters because there's not as many spread outs and there's not as many in Catholic ministries. Right. And so just that seeing a woman who's a sister, so a young woman realizing that's, you know, a possible call. Yeah. Um, it gets harder. And so I, I, it's hard to ask, but, you know, I think it's, we've got to ask moms to, to reach out to sisters. I know a lot of vocation directors, and I know that if they receive invitations, like, can you Zoom with our daughters? They will accept those invitations. Yeah. Uh, sisters are oftentimes at a lot of Catholic conferences. Mm-hmm. When you go to those, it's like a flood of sisters. <laughs> so even if it's a Catholic conference for, say, college students, as a family, you could go up just for a talk and then, like, walk around the booths and meet the sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also challenge vocation directors um, who are sisters and religious communities, I think there's a challenge for us to be okay, like extending simple invitations. I think yeah. sometimes we want to do like big events and big yeah. discernment retreats, but just to like extend simple invitations, like to maybe two or three families. I think that's a way to kind of build this, uh, rebuild the culture of how God might call. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's important. Um, I also think though on a, 
deeper level and probably even greater task is to for all of us to restore our faith in the power of the Eucharist. Mm. Like sometimes we gotta we feel like we have to do all these like super intricate backflips and and like, you know, <laughs> all of this fancy stuff to get them to get it. Yes. Programs. And, and yeah, and really just like placing our kids in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament and not feeling ashamed if they behave badly at first or sleep. Um, I think it's, you know, we know your kids aren't perfect. You know, people know your kids aren't perfect because they kids ain't perfect. And everybody can quit pretending. Um, it's just, it's just, it's just take them there to the Adoration Chapel. Um, in our program, our vocation programming, we really decided that um, – we wanted to discard this. You're going to come to us and we're going to talk to you about religious life all weekend. Mm -hmm. We discarded that and we were like, we will use these resources to teach women to pray. Mm -hmm. Because if what we say we believe is true, that will be sufficient. Yeah. If they have yeah. a sincere relationship with Jesus, then they will hear his call and it will break their heart not to follow. Yeah. Um, and so that really became oh, our... Beautiful. Our, like we're going to take all our resources and just encourage encounter with Jesus sincere mm. and that's been really fruitful for us really that's fruitful for gift. us yeah that's so such a gift. when I was in well high school and college I, I feel like and I may have shared this on other podcasts but part of my vocation story is like really fighting a possible vocation to religious life so I was like no I can't I'm no <laughs> there's no way but it's in knowing like people like you like seeing the joy that you have and encountering having those personal relationships with sisters I feel like that makes a huge difference and and I think something that did help me to become more open was like encountering real people and it's not just a brochure and I will tell you at least back in the early 2000s one of the best ways to get mail is to fill out a yes I might be interested in religious life I got so much mail <laughs> I got so much mail in <laughs> junior and senior year of high school. So if you ever need mail, like just tell somebody you're open to being a sister. Maybe that's what moms can do, right? right? Build cards. their daughter's Look, name out. Card. Card. So much mail. It was great. It was great. But like the personal relationship. So the fact that like my girls will, and our and my, my sons too, will get to know you. It's and um, same with our priests in the diocese, mm -hmm. like spending time with great priests and great religious sisters, like what a gift to our families, and, like taking advantage yeah. of that. And any time they can see um, the sisters together, because like I said, I encountered some of those Stepford types and I was like, Lord, I can't do it. <laughs> but if I could go, you know, when you can go into their homes and see how they love yeah. one another, that's such a big part of the discernment. Because I know I really see it in our young people and I, I don't think it's wrong. I just think that it's got to be stewarded. Um, our young people um, are aware of some of the dangers in our church and the struggles in our church that are cloaked in goodness and charity, but not necessarily the mission of Jesus. And so our younger people are grasping, almost clenching on to external signs of what they hope for internally. Mm. And I don't mm. think that's wrong. I think it says that they desire to truly live the gospel. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I don't think it's bad to like look for some of those external signs of the consistency that they hope for. But at the end of the day, the type of habit is not going to decide if there will be people who love you sitting beside you when you die. Mm. It's how they love one another in the day and day. So I, I think it's fine to be attracted to those external signs of what you hope for internally. I think mm -hmm. it's a, 
a manifestation of a desire for real virtue, but you've got to at some point see how they love one another. Yes. You have to see how they love one yes. another um, for it to really be the match for you and the path that's going to help you get ready for heaven. Yeah. Um, so. yeah. No, on a, on a really practical level, because I, I do, I just want my um, daughter to, to be open um, and so, like, at what age do you think is a good – so, like, when they're little, I mean, throughout the whole life, right, expose them to the Eucharist, bring them to adoration. When is a good time to um, take your daughter, like, to call a vocations director and say, hey, can we just come and see? Um, yeah, I would think starting that as early as fifth or sixth grade. Nice. Oh. And, like, letting them do that together. And yeah. hopefully it'll be a community where they're not, like – we're going to sit here and talk to you about the vows, but like when they bring your, when you bring your daughters that they're like, let's play Monopoly. Like, you know, so you can see how they love one another. Yeah. And then we're going to go pray evening prayer together. And we're going to teach you how to use this book, girl. But I really think as early as fifth or sixth grade, you can start visiting and nice. letting them get to know sisters. Yeah. Sisters like to write letters. So, you know, becoming pen pals or yeah. whatever, things oh, like yeah, that, I think can just really oh, simplicity, awesome. you know, yeah. just simplicity. Yeah. And I think one of my biggest um, struggles I have is my daughter, she is beautiful um, inside and out. Um, Man, she's wonderful. But her and I, we definitely approach our relationship with Jesus much different. And I think I tend to try to force things. Like there was one day I was like, I had my Bible out. I had got her a little notebook for her to do Lexio. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be so great because I love praying, doing Lexio Divina. And she hates writing. So, so when we sit down and I'm like, okay, so this is going to be so great. I was like, we're going to read a Bible story together. We're going to talk about it. And you can just write some stuff. She's like, I'm out. And I was like, but, that, but no, like there's this journal I got. And this is like, raise your eyes to the things above. I forget what it said, but like super cute. And I was, I was like, you know what to do this? And so I go into like freak out mode and I'm like, in a sense, trying to, because I want her to hear God's voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's definitely, she reads more Bible than I ever did growing Mm. up um but just in a different way so i know for me it's like trying to not push too hard um so what what do you recommend like what are some practical things that parents can do to really foster that um obviously bringing them to the eucharist um but what are some other things as far as um without being too pushy because i also don't want her to be like that's too much you know and just pressure. Yeah, simple things like, because I think a key to being able to discern is a key, uh, being able to know God is present, lovingly present in the things occurring. Mm. So even in a way that matches your child, like asking them, um, how did you experience God's love today? Right, because then they're starting to slowly mm. turn the volume up on, oh, God is present and showing me his love in my day. Um, like what friend do you feel like we talk about this as early as fourth grade at St. Gregory in the counseling and the guidance program, we talk about virtuous friendship. Mm-hmm. And so I'll ask them, who are your virtuous friends? Like the ones who say, no, nah, we need to strive together to be better people. So who, who what friendship today challenged you in virtue? Mm-hmm. And then they can draw about that or write about that or make a little Play-Doh shape. So like Um, Let your kids respond to you in a way that matches their personality. Um, But just like posing those types of questions and 
giving them a way to answer it that suits their personality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's great because I, I believe kids will respond to those more difficult questions if we um, frame them in a way that they're excited about yeah. responding to them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, I love that. That's mm-hmm. awesome. We will definitely have you back. A <laughs> regular special guest. <laughs> I think this is like your fourth episode, but the first one in studio. Yeah. So, yes. and we're so grateful for you. Cause like I said, I feel like you are very much like a spiritual mother of this specific ministry within mm-hmm. the Institute. And we are just so grateful for your encouragement and support of our vocations. But I'm excited for y'all. Thank you. Yeah. Where can people find out more about you, the sisters? So that. our website is nazarethcsfn.org. So that's C like cat, S like Sam, F like Frank, N like Nazareth, nazarethcsfn.org. Um, and we also have all kinds of like Facebook, Instagram, social media. So it's Sisters of the Holy Family of, the Naz- of Nazareth. And if you look that up on social media platforms, you'll find us. Very good. We'll okay. put that in the notes too. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> when I was saying CSFN, I felt like I was going to lose track. Of <laughs> awesome well thank you so much so much and thank you to all those who have been watching and submitting questions and if you have ideas of um, other guests to bring on or questions you'd like us to address we're happy to uh to do that please like share subscribe all that stuff you're supposed to do with social media (laughs) posts um and check out the saint philip institute website um stphilipinstitute.org um please pray for us if you feel called Mm -hmm. to financially support us so we can continue to to build ministries like this um and yeah just but again thank you so much sister thank you you. will you close us with prayer yes in the name of the father and of the son of the holy spirit uh heavenly father as we go uh forward with our days um in this week and in our lives uh, we particularly call to mind the ways that we are asked to build your kingdom of love and peace um especially in this week where we celebrate unity um, and pray for greater unity. Uh, Help us to be um, builders of your kingdom. Help us to be faithful women um, in responding to how you call us to participate in your kingdom. And Lord, uh, help to grow our faith that even our small and ordinary contributions um, can be great in light of the kingdom of God. I want to ask your blessing specifically on Mickey and Deanna and this ministry here at St. Philip Institute. Uh, continue to strengthen them, uh, embolden them, um, and continue to just increase in their hearts um, an awareness of your word and of your presence. And we ask all of these things uh, through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.